0: Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and his kingdom. So God, we just thank you for Chris. Thank you for his uh, preparation and for his mind and his charisma and his voice. Um, We just ask that you would settle him now. We pray for peace and um, just that we would hear you through his words. Yeah. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. How you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, Josh, if you could do the honors. Um, So who here has seen Hunt for Red October? Oh, just, yeah, just pass him around. Yes. Okay. So one of the iconic scenes, uh, spoiler alert, in it um, is, uh, <laughs> uh, and first of all, if you guys were looking at me and thinking 21 Jump Street, and if you're that old, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> so a, I'm a big fan. Um, but so Hunt for the October, there's a scene, that, it's submarine warfare, oh, thank you. Submarine warfare, all right, it's US versus Russia. And there's a submarine against another submarine, and a torpedo is fired toward one of the submarines. And a torpedo is, goes super fast, and a submarine goes really slow, so it's really hard to avoid it, and it's very deadly. But Sean Connery, the man, says, gives the guy coordinates and gives the guy orders, and you see the guy's face go white because he's scared. He knows exactly what the coordinates are for. They're going straight toward the torpedo, oh. straight toward it, full speed ahead. And 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 people are doubting him. People are saying, "No, don't do this! Don't do this! You're going to die! We're gonna, we're all going to die!" Like there's no living after a torpedo hits your submarine. But he goes straight for the sub and uh, for the torpedo. The torpedo, you see a, a large visual. The torpedo hits the hole and bounces off and just floats away. What Sean Connery knew as the captain, he knew that a torpedo only arms itself at the very last second. And so if he could beat it to the point where it armed itself, wow. he could defeat it. He, he, could, he could disarm it, but he took a huge risk there because he had to go straight towards death yeah. in order to save the whole crew. Wow. Seems very much the opposite of what you want to do. So um, with that being said, uh, these, are, these are known as finger cuffs or Chinese handcuffs because they were, I think, made in China and, dis- and uh, invented in China. <laughs> do you know I you guys know how to work these things? All right, so, so you stick your fingers in like this, okay? You may need to try different, si- different fingers for the size. And what happens is that you, you get your fingers stuck. And you can't, and, and some of them are not perfect. They may break. But you get your fingers stuck. No matter how hard you pull, the, the, you're just stuck. You can't get out. There's, there's just nothing doing unless you break this thing. And when Adam and Eve were in the garden... They made a decision. They made a decision to kind of take their life into their own hands. To take their life into their own hands and to, uh, hey, can we be a little quiet back there, you guys? Shh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and when they did that, they, made, they created a disconnection between them and God and for the whole human race and God, a big disconnection. And from that point in time, control became this huge part of our life, and it still is a huge part of our life, control, controlling our own life. It's my life. I'm controlling it, and what's interesting is that we're all in this trap here, yeah. and we're all at different levels of this trap. There's some people who are super successful, like Bill Gates and like all these major people who have who've actually, with their own strength, with their own brains, with their, with their own power, have been able to like overcome certain of the limitations of this disconnection from God? Have you overcome certain limitations? They're they're a little farther along the way in terms of how much they can pull away from this, this thing that's drawing them towards death. But they're still trapped. And they're still gonna die. And the only way to get out of this thing is to go right toward the heart of death, go right toward the torpedo, Go right toward it, and well, this one's start, yeah. and you get out. You do the, the antithesis of what you thought it would be, the opposite of what you think you want to do. So the animal side of us wants to just run and get out of this thing as soon as possible. Can you be quiet, please? <laughs> thank, thank, thank you. <laughs> um, so we want to, uh, it's the opposite of what we think we do. It's, it's antithetical to what we want. But it's the only way out. There's a lot. Of, there's a, a Christian saying, we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to ourselves, And it's hard to understand that. It's hard to understand what that really means. But it's the only way we're going to live. And the degree to which we die in this life is the degree to which we will become alive. The degree to which we die in this life is the degree to which we come alive. <laughs> We see that Luke 9, through 20, 24 through 25. This is Jesus talking. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? The Greek word for loses in this is actually destroys. It's, it's lose, destroy. It's, it's something very severe. Yeah. And it seems antithetical. It seems like it's not the, the way things should work. No. But there's, there's a pattern developed since the Garden of Eden. There's been a pattern in place. Yeah. A paradox. And so, another, another story that, that uh, I, I love is um, it's the story of Jesus. And... <laughs> <laughs> he, this guy has a miraculous birth we don't know what know happens for about 30 years but we, we know he begins his ministry about 30 years old and he starts doing miracles, starts teaching amazing things people haven't heard before and, and a, a movement starts an expectation builds, there's, there's hope in the air it's something big and then all of a sudden he comes into Jerusalem and he's treated like a king people welcome him like, like a king and it's, it's the tension and the excitement is palpable. And then he gets arrested by the Jews. And then they turn him over to the Romans. And then he's on trial with the Romans. And he's sentenced to die. And he's carrying this cross up this, this hill up to this place of death. And there's, I, I can imagine at the time there's a lot of sadness but also some expectation. If I'd seen Jesus do what he did, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Because the stakes are high. And I know he's the son of God and he's going to do something big. Watch. Watch. He's going to do something big. Then he gets crucified, but okay, no, he's up there, but something's gonna happen though. I can the angel's gonna come down, he's gonna he's gonna do it. Something's gonna happen. And okay, so some hours go by, but hey, you know what? Crucifixion can sometimes take days. Your, your, your arms are pinned to your side to the cross, and you suffocate eventually. Most of the time you suffocate, and it takes a couple days sometimes. So, okay, well, let's not rush him. You know, he's going to, you know, he's building the tension. He's building the tension. He's sitting up there. He's building the tension. And then, uh, you know, about six hours into it, you know, and everyone's kind of relaxing, taking a break, he cries out and he dies. And they're like, and they tell Pilate, the Roman, who doesn't believe in Jesus but had one encounter with him and was very impressed by him. Something impacted him. They tell Pilate, and Pilate says, Pilate's surprised. He's surprised that Jesus died because he's like, okay, well, at least this, this guy was something, but six hours? Come on. Yeah. Six hours on the cross? Like, like he, he, I would have thought he would at least have gone like maybe five days and, and broken all records and shown, oh, wow, look how long. Or at least something would have happened, but no. He had a quick death. And he was modeling something for us. The quicker we die, the quicker we live. And when he died on that cross, hey, Don, what's going on, man? So when he died on that cross, he provided a, a, a reconnection, the ability to, for us to reconnect with him. And it's, man, so good. So that's not how I would have planned it. That's not what I would have wanted for, for my life, his life. You know, I, I, would, I would have wanted a long life of him preaching, you know, amassing followers and actually getting the word out more. I mean, we could travel, get him on a, get him on a plane, get him on somewhere and, and build this, but no, he just he ends his ministry at 33 years old and just dies on a cross. And it seems so antithetical to what, what I would want and, what he, and, and even in, in the Garden of Eden, I'm sorry, the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he goes and dies, he's wrestling with the same thing and he's doubting, he's asking for something too. So this, this whole uh, series we're doing is, is what God is doing in our life, and, uh, and so uh, this is what God's doing in my life. Uh, I, I, I'm an actor, and I had a, a real, real fun situation the other day where uh, I was down in Orange County doing something, having fun, and I got a call from my manager saying, oh, you have a huge audition up in L.A., 6.30 tonight, uh, you got to be there, and because it's major, you, gotta, you have to do it. This it, is so huge, you have a chance for this, you got to do this. So... Drop what I'm doing. Jill and I, like, like, cancel our plans, drive up through traffic from Orange County and Tustin all the way to Burbank, and, 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 and run in there. It's dark. I'm, like, one of the last people to go in there. Go in there. feel pretty good about it, and then the next morning, I uh, get a little email that says, not going further, not strong enough. <laughs> not going further, not strong enough. So I've been doing this for about 14 and a half years, <laughs> and if you've seen La La Land, there's a little bit, a little bit of a, a connection I have with that because she, the main character in La La Land, has a lot of horrible auditions and a horrible experiences. And rejection is a, is a cliche in in, in, uh, in this world, but it's not a uh, doesn't get any easier just because it's a cliche. And you'd think that you'd, you'd get used to being hurt and. Uh, Having some of the fun things I've had, like one of the first managers I ever met, uh, I heard her yelling in the other room uh, it, for you know about a half hour before I went in there, and so I finally go into the meeting, and I, I, I was I was in college, and I would forgotten my resume, I didn't like, I mean I didn't have a resume anyway, like but I, I forgot to, and so she cussed me out for about ten minutes. And talking to me about, about the, how the business should run. And she's yelling at me. She's yelling at me. She's, she's a, you know, she had a, a big actress at the time. She was a well-known manager. And then she looks at me. She stops all of a sudden. And she goes, you know you have a unibrow, right? And I'm like. And so she gives me someone's card. And she's like, yeah, call this person. Yeah, yeah, get, get rid of that. Get rid of that thing. And that's just one experience. There's another one. I, I was meeting, I a meeting in the valley at a lunch. And I, I had a friend set me up, trying to set me up with the manager. And. And she's sitting there looking at me, this is this older lady, and she's looking at me, and she goes, um, yeah, and she leans toward him and I can hear her. She leans to him, she's like, yeah, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And, and then and then, at our time, in that conversation, she, she, she goes, you, you know you have, a, you have a gap in your teeth, right? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. And she's like, yeah. Like, and she's kind of waiting for me to say, oh, I should get that corrected. Um, so there's been this scrutiny and this humiliation, I've been humbled in good ways. Humbling is good. Humiliation is not. Yes. Yeah. Lots and lots of humiliation. And it's, uh, and even where I am right now, it, I'm, uh, gosh, there's, there's nothing, like I have very little to show for my professional career at this point. I have friends who are running for Congress, US, United States Congress, I went to college with, and, and, I, and I, have, I have this little resume with a couple things I did. And it's, uh, it's humiliating. And, and what's further, too, is it, uh, uh, my wife's the, the breadwinner of the family, and, which is fine, but we're going to have a baby soon. And I want to be able to give her the opportunity to, to stay home with that child if, if she wants. I have no problem staying home with I want to give her that opportunity, but, but a, as a man, I can't do that right now. And that sucks to me. And, and, it, and it hurts, and, and I get stressed over that. And, the, and a lot of those things I just get stressed over, of a feeling like there's just a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of a lot of pain there but a, a couple weeks ago though I was uh, I got into bed and I don't know if God was talking to me or if I, I just like sensed it but it was like this word that came to me it was like you're creating most of your suffering Wow, that's right. you're creating most of your suffering and I was like and it, it was and it was almost it was like freeing in that moment to feel that because it was like something within that within me in that moment died and then then came to life as well And I was like oh my gosh that's right I'm subscribed to this way I think my life should look. I'm subscribed to this way that I think I'm going to be happy. I'm subscribed to how I think my life should look, and and the the true question is, and the true answer is that I I don't know what that looks like, And, and I can be just as happy right now. I can be I can be so much better off if if I would just die to myself and die to what I think my life should be. From, since the garden, we, we've been addicted to control. We've been, been addicted to ourselves. We've been enslaved ourselves. And we don't want to be. That's the, that's the thing. We don't want to be. But we are. I, can, I would bet, too, that whatever you're holding onto in your life, like holding onto, not, not just holding, but holding onto, is what's haunting you. And whatever you're not surrendering to God is probably the major source of problem in your life. A major source of problem in your life. Jesus had a quick death on the cross, a quick death. Six hours was nothing. That was almost like a speed record for, for dying on, on the cross. Because he, he, he had nothing to fight for there. His fight was somewhere else. Can you put up Matthew 16, Bill? And Jesus says this to us. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Deny, the Greek word for that is, is almost disown. Like disown yourself. And take up your cross. A lot of times this has been used, oh, my cross to bear, like it's a burden. It's, it's way more than that. Take up your cross is, is what Jesus did on the way to the crucifixion. That's what everyone who's gonna be crucified, did. That's the beginning of the execution process is you taking that cross up. So he's saying whoever comes after him must die, must take up your execution device and carry it on your back toward your death and die. It sounds morbid, it sounds severe, it sounds harsh, but this is from the loving God, this is from the God who wants to free us from so much and this is the only way out, this is the only way to life is by dying there's no existence we can you know, scratch out. And that's the thing about Paul calls us to, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. And back in the day when you, you, you killed an animal and you put it on the altar and it stayed there because it was dead, but we're living sacrifices. And every day, you know, we can just crawl off that altar. We can lay ourselves down, like I've done so many times to God, laid down my career, laid down my desires, laid down my dreams, and, and then it crawls right off. I crawl right off. And then, and then I set up this little compromise. I set up this little system. And uh, let's do Galatians 2.20, Bill. I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. It is no longer I who live. And see, so I take that and I go, all right, I've been crucified with Christ. And I, I'm... I'm I'm still living a little bit, but, but he's living in me too, and it's like this this a kind of shared apartment situation where we're just kind of like sharing this house, and it's like, like he's moving in his stuff and my boxes are all my stuff's kind of still there, but we're just kind of making it work, and that doesn't work, it doesn't work at all. And here's where the and this is this this, this question in life is, is is where the rubber meets the road. This is this is the brass tacks of our life. Is Many of us are willing to trust him with our eternity, but we don't trust him with our life. We'll trust him with eternity because that's the only thing we have. I mean, he's the only, he's the only, he's the only insurance policy out there. No one else is offering us an eternal life thing. But for our life right here, if we can trust him with, with that, which is astronomical and, and beyond our comprehension, then why can't we trust him with our life? It's, it's silly. And I think of the the way I want my life to go. I think of all these, these, uh, how I want my life to be. And I think of the great adventures of the the world. The great stories of the world. I I think of the story uh, about Frodo and his friends in Lord of the Rings. Frodo never wanted to leave his little beautiful shire. He never wanted to leave it. But because he left it, he had the most amazing adventure of his life and made some of the best friends of his life. And his life got so much more deeply satisfying. But he had to let go of something. He had to, to let go of, of how he thought his life, he wanted his life to go. And he complains all through the movies about how he wants to be back home. Yeah. But, but in hindsight, that's the life, that's the best life possible. And when I, when I look at roles, well, I actually have a choice to choose, because right now I'll just take any role. But like for, <laughs> for plays, for, for things that don't pay much, for a short film, I'll, I'll pick and choose. And, I, and if it's a role, there's a role the other day that was just this guy who's, uh, you know, just, just in suburbia, and just like, and all this action was happening around him, but he was just like this normal guy, and nothing ever really happened to him. And I was like, that's boring. I'm not going to play that part. But then, then there's another role I got that was uh, this guy who's, who's on the verge of committing suicide in the first five minutes of the movie, and I'm like, oh, I'm in. Like, I, I, like, that sounds interesting to me, and I, I want to know what that's like. I, I want to I know, I want to experience what, what, this, what this person is experiencing, Because because there's an adventure he's on, that there's a deepness he's touching on in that in that story. So why, if I want that in my stories, if I want that in my movies, why don't I want that in my own life? It's because I'm attached to my own life. Because I think it's my life. Like like Josiah was singing earlier, like it's it's our life is not our own. Our life is not our own, and when we, we know that when we embrace that, it's so freeing. It's like, oh my gosh, all right, yeah, t- take, me, take me to a war zone. That'd be interesting. That'd be so interesting. Like, what if I died? Interesting. What if, oh, interesting. Like, th- there's another perspective that we can have on these things. There's a, there's a famous neurologist who had a stroke, and as she's describing this, she's describing what's, ha- she like saw what was happening in her right brain and her left brain. Her left brain was like, oh, no, what's going on? This is, you're dying maybe. This is horrible. This is horrible. You can't move your hands. And her right brain was, was actually having this different experience that was like, oh, my gosh, how interesting. You're having a stroke right now. Like, what are you feeling? What is, this is fascinating. And It was almost just like this, this adventure. The right brain was on this adventure and the left brain was just trying to control it. What is, oh, man, do I really know what's best for me? I don't. Everything going right in my life is probably not what's best for me. Everything going right in your life, right in your life, is probably not what's best for you. My best life now is, is, is probably, <laughs> you know, there's Joel Olstein book called My Best Life Now. And, and actually, I looked at some quotes. It actually has some good quotes in it. But, uh, but it, it's fun to make fun of. My best life now, my best life now. But my, but my true best life now may be, include a lot of suffering, may include a lot of hardship. Joseph, Joseph's best life now was being enslaved and then thrown in prison for years. That was his best life. The best life now by Joseph is being enslaved and imprisoned, but then that prepared him to be a leader of Egypt. And, and to, to, to govern over a huge body of people and make very wise decisions and save a lot of people. He saved a lot of lives. What are we? Who are we going to be in 20 years? Who are we going to be in, in 40 years? Like, I care about that. I, I think you care about that too. I think we, we want to be hero-like people. We want to be people who make a difference, who help others, who help our families. And I, I bet... The people we wanna be in 20 years is not gonna include a bunch of great things happening in our life non-stop. Just nonstop easiness and non-stop pleasure. And so there's a tension of what we want and what we, what we really want. Because even knowing all these, even knowing that God has my best interest, and even knowing that, that if I'm trusting with eternity, then, then I can trust him in my life, there's this auto-control response that's built within me probably since, since our, our, our DNA since the garden. There's auto control that like when I go, to, uh, uh, I go to the doctor and I go get blood drawn and he says squeeze your hand to, to create a vein, I'm like I'm not gonna do that because that, that's gonna make, you, make it easier for you to, to stick a needle in me. Like, There's, there's a resistance, there's a, a gut reaction that doesn't want to let that vein pop out. And since taking that manager's advice, I gotta get my eyebrows threaded now. And, I pay a lady to, to thread my eyebrows, to pull things out of my eyebrows. I, I'm paying her so I don't have this land bridge across the, my head. And even when I'm doing this, she, like, like I'm flinching and I'm pulling back from her. I'm, I'm actually, there's a part of me that, that's controlling how things go because I, I, like, there's a part of me that wants it to happen, but doesn't want it to happen. Even though I know it's best for me. And the best example is, is with dogs. They love playing fetch. They love it. You throw the ball, they love it. They run down there and they're so excited. They bring it back to you and then they grab onto that ball and they won't let it go. And you're like, are are, are you dumb here? Like, we can't play this game unless you let go of this ball. We're not playing anything unless you let go of this ball. But but he's he's just gripping it. It's like, okay, we're not playing then. And he wants to play, but he refuses to let go. He wants to play, but he refuses to let go. I think we want to play. We want to play in a lot of ways in our life, but we're refusing to let go. We're holding on to something. We're holding on to several things sometimes. So how do we die? How, how do we die? Let's, uh, let's stand up right now if you guys, if you guys can. And close your eyes, if you with me. And put your hands out, open palmed, palms up. A lot of times, and this is such a beautiful posture, a lot of times we, we try to wonder what, what dying is about. And it's dying is about obedience. It's about a lot of things, but one of the things it's about is about obedience. I want you to imagine all the things in your life in front of you, like, like, like you're at a garage sale of your life, like you're just, you're just taking inventory of your life. You're sending down all your clothes. You're sending, You have uh, maybe a vehicle. You have paperwork. You have things you've collected. You have yourself you have activities, you have certain ways of being, you have certain parts of your personality. I want you to imagine laying those out and letting God walk along them. And here's the thing about, when you go to the dentist, it doesn't take long to figure out where the sensitive areas are. You feel them immediately. And for me, when I feel God pass by certain areas of my life, I get a little jumpy. I get a little antsy because I'm afraid he's going to ask for them. I'm like that dog just gripping that ball like, no, 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 no. I want you to think of those areas of your life that you're struggling with obedience or you're fighting with God on. So the thing about God, and about hearing him, and about obeying him is that sometimes we don't wanna obey him. Sometimes we don't, we don't hear him because we're afraid of what he's gonna say. A lot of times I don't hear God because I'm afraid of what he's gonna to say to me. I'm afraid of what he's gonna ask for. But we have an adventure to go on. We have an adventure that can begin today, that can begin anytime we're ready, if we just let it go. Jesus said in the garden that if you are willing, God, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but yours be done. And if you need help, are now giving that to God or wrestling with him. Please turn to someone and pray with them or, or come up to the side over here. And Trin Sue's and Susan, some of the elders will be there to pray with you. But let's get delivered from this immense clutter. Let's get delivered from, from everything that we're, we're holding on to. Let's be free and truly live. Lord God, may you show yourself the kind Father, the loving Lord. Show us the one who cares about our interests more than we care. Who cares about our best interests more than we care. And I pray we would surrender to you fully today. You'd give us the courage to. You'd give us the honesty to, to say if we don't want to. And you'd give us the grace and the patience to, to walk with you. For the power of your name.